ประกาศขณะที่เราดูทองกะและวังพอดีเขาสอนเขาว่าก่อนที่เขาจะกลับบ้านเขาต้องรู้ว่าพระสุตตะและก็ไรูปะเคหีสุตตะทั้งหมดชานส์ดีเดียดเข้าทำให้เกิดความรักและความเมตตา Before he allowed the monk to go into the woods, he asked if he knew both of these chants. Both of these are dedicated towards increasing the loving kindness in one's heart. We've just chanted these, and the Buddha was very clear that. To develop such loving kindness leads one towards peace. That a true samana, a bhikkhu, is one who studies those things which lead one towards tranquility in one's life and heart. That is the qualities of sila, samadhi, and panya, or ethics. Concentration and wisdom, as well as loving kindness, and this instruction towards developing these qualities is contained within the Karaniya Metta Sutta, the discourse on loving kindness. It exhorts us to be brave, to be sincere on the path. To develop loving kindness, and to dedicate ourselves to walking towards nibbana, namely to stay on and develop the eightfold noble path, it exhorts us to make our minds steady and calm, and to begin all of these practices with the foundation of sila of morality. As this serves to strengthen and bring our heart to peace, it speaks about how we must be humble, of how we must be content with what's given. For example, if we go on tudong, wandering, we must be content to bring very little with us, just enough, and whatever food or requisites we receive wandering. We need to reflect that that is enough. Some days we will get a great deal of food. Some days none. Some days a little bit, and some days perhaps just rice. And in every case, it's enough. And we must reflect that this is enough for us to get by on. 
And so we are able to remain content in line with the instructions of the sutta. If we do enter a forest and wander in this way, we're entering a precarious situation with many dangers. There are tigers, wild animals, and if one possesses no sila, if one is not firm in their morality, then one has nothing to protect them from those various dangers, either their body or their heart. To wander on Tudong, to expose oneself to the difficulties of such an endeavor, one must be sure of oneself and be confident in the purity of one's sila, of one's morality. If not, then dangers may come to us. Before I ordained, I spoke and paid respects to a senior monk in the north of Thailand who spoke about how many monks had gone off on Tudong before being solid and pure in their morality and how many of them had encountered and been killed by wild elephants because of that lack of morality. So if we do go out on Tudong, if we go wandering, then we must be sure that we are firmly established in pure ethics. The same grows, goes for if we enter a cremation ground to practice there and to confront fear. Such a practice can bring up true feelings of terror. We may be afraid of ghosts or other beings. And in such a case, we may bring to mind the meditation object of Budo, the recollection of the Buddha. If we are afraid to die, then we still have not accepted death. If we've learned to accept the inevitable fact of our imminent death, or the fact that we will someday pass, then there's no problem and fear fades. We are just one person who is bound to die and there's no real reason to be afraid of this. If fear does arise, if terror does come into the heart, then in large part, it's because our mindfulness is not quick enough. However, even in these cases, we may bring to mind our refuge of the triple gem, the Buddha, the Dhamma, and the Sangha. Specifically, we may bring to mind the meditation object of Budo, as Longpur Cha taught, repeating this word, and through it, bringing into the heart a sense of calm, faith, and security. If we do this, we'll see that all the thoughts that have worried us so much about if a ghost will come or a spirit will trouble us, will calm and disappear. It is simply the proliferation of the mind 
that builds and creates these fears. But with the quiet heart developed, wisdom is all that remains, and not fear. If we go into the forest, or if a monk enters on Tudong, then they may chant when afraid these chants of loving kindness that we've just repeated. And they may also, as I did, find that there are times when even with these means, the fear is just too much. As a young monk in a charnel ground and in the forest, I found that when fear arose very powerfully, I just had to enter my umbrella tent, my monastic lot, and that as soon as I had lowered the mosquito net around me, it felt as if a seven-story diamond wall had been placed around me, even though it really was just a thin and flimsy mosquito net. I felt utterly safe and secure. And this is the barmi, the merit of the Buddha that allows us to feel safe in such a situation. The chitta became quiet and samadhi arose. In the morning, when I left that place, it was bright, the sun was shining, and I couldn't remember why I'd been afraid or what I'd been afraid of, really. I saw corpses laid out on the ground, bones, sinews, and rotting flesh. And because the mind was quiet and centered, I was able to look with wisdom on these who had passed and see that their bodies, these bodies laid out on the ground were no different than my own. The only distinction was that my body still possessed breath. It still was alive and moving, walking, speaking, but that in essence, these corpses were no different than my own body. On this occasion, I stayed in the cremation ground and saw a 13-year-old child who had been laid out uh, and buried right near me. Because I hoped to confront my sense of fear, I set up my monastic lot and resting place right next to the grave and walked meditation back and forth along the side of where this child had been buried who had drowned. That evening or the next, a relative, several relatives of the child came to offer uh, some light tonics and allowable juice in the evening. I couldn't help but ask them how they knew that I was here. How had they known that there was a monk out here in this secluded charnel ground? They answered that the previous night, their child, who was the 13-year-old girl who had drowned, had come to them in a dream and told them that there was a monk here and that they should come and make merit and offer this monk uh, some requisites. 
So this alerted me to the fact that this spirit had not yet been reborn, but was still hovering around the area. I spread metta, loving kindness, as much as I could, and appreciated the instructions to develop loving kindness towards all beings. This is what, in essence, the Karaniya Metta Sutta instructs us to do, to develop the heart. And similarly, the Paritta chants, which we also just chanted, these protective or auspicious chants, are ones we should do while developing metta, while spreading loving-kindness to all beings. We, in doing so, are giving up thoughts of ill-will and aversion, and in so are developing the Eightfold Noble Path. Metta will make others appreciate and feel kindly towards us, even if at first they dislike us, the metta we've developed will help change their stance towards us, towards a more amicable one. And all practitioners should endeavor to develop in this way, to develop the four divine abidings, the Brahma-viharas, metta, karuna, mudita, upekka, that is, goodwill, compassion, gladness, and equanimity. And if we do this, then the kilesas, the defilements of greed, hatred, and delusion that constantly strangle the heart will be cleared away and will be able to see again with a degree of clarity. To do this is to develop the heart to a level of humanity Many of us are born with bodies of humans, but have the hearts of animals still that have not been developed to this level. And in such a case, it's almost better just to be an animal with an animal heart rather than a human with an animal heart. It's truly dangerous to be in this form but possess such a low level of morality. And so we must practice. We must think of how to develop ourselves just to have been born in this human form and to have encountered the Buddha's dispensation indicates enormous spiritual merit on our part. And so we cannot afford to be heedless, but must grant the development of the heart the greatest importance and priority in our life. We must have built Barmi. We must have created these spiritual causes in our past. And so we should make sure that we do not waste them. We've managed to have the spiritual good fortune and causes to come and ordain, to be interested in Buddhism and to effectively have become a child of the Buddha through our ordination. We receive great respect from society because we wear the flag of the Arahants, this jiwan, this robe. People think when they see us 
of those noble beings which have come before, of Longpur Mun, Longpur Cha, Longpur Ban, Longpur Siri Chai, and countless others who have graced Thailand with their presence and their teaching. Through all of these times, through the lives of these various Thai Arahants, the royal family and the royal institution has served as a partner and protector for the Sangha and for the monks, allowing them their protection and helping to keep them safe and allow them the opportunity to practice. And so we must dedicate ourselves to this work, to developing the heart. Even if we have many duties, we still must keep practice central to our lives. However, in many cases now, those in this monastery find themselves without too much work and so can dedicate themselves completely to the practice. Even monks here who have many duties still are able to come to morning and evening chanting without missing a single session. They are able to keep their practice strong and we should all reflect on them as examples. While we still have a well-practiced teacher nearby, a Kruba Ajahn, we should take advantage by dedicating ourselves to the practice as best we can. The Kruba Ajahn near us can still walk, speak, and teach, where later they may not be able to, and so we must avail ourselves of this opportunity. When I was Longpur Cha's Upatak, in the early years, 60, 90, uh, when he was 60, 61, and 62, he was still healthy. And his good health was a huge blessing to me because he could teach me. Yet already, by the age of 63, his health had begun to, to decline. And so we should not take for granted that our teacher will always be available to us. We do not need to doubt, but we must practice. Follow the instructions and the path blazed by the great teachers ahead of us. Keep good korwat. See the danger and contemplate the drawbacks of samsara, of endless cyclic rebirth. And this is the meaning of a samana, of a renunciant. Laity as well should reflect on such danger in samsara and use it as a motivation towards their practice. This body, which we take for granted, is not worthy of our trust, whether we be laity or monastics. It will inevitably betray us in sickness, aging, and death. Just today, one of our monks, Kubadong, had a relative pass at the young age of 47 from cancer. 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 
he would have had no idea that he would get ill so quickly in his life that the end of his life would come in such short a time span. And we should all reflect that we also do not know for sure when we will die and how much longer we have left. Another disciple, a businessman, was extremely busy and rarely had time for his kids as he was always working. But he came down with a brain tumor at an early age and died as well. This is how the body works and we should not take it and its continued well-being for granted. However, before we can see clearly in this way, we must develop the mind to a level of calm, samadhi. We may use the meditation word Budo to do this. But before we've developed this refuge of samadhi, we need to use patient endurance. We need to protect our sacha paramita, our quality of truthfulness and develop our hearts using these basic qualities. If we say we are going to a cremation ground to practice, then we go. We say, all right, I'm going to enter here and stay. And if I die, then I die. That's just how it is. But we don't back down. When I was with Ajahn Sumchai in our early days as monks, we went to a large and secluded cremation ground of 400 rye. And as we entered, we agreed to separate, going to opposite sides so that we could not take comfort in each other's presence. We told one another that if one of us died or passed away, then the other would burn their body so as not to trouble our relatives. Longpur Cha said that to get the Dhamma, which he was bringing to us, he had to pass through the mouth of a tiger. This Dhamma does not come easily, and we should not take it for granted. However, our teachers can encourage us. When I was just two Vasas practicing in the cremation ground at Wapapong, my home monastery, at Ajahn Chah's encouragement, I was still a young monk and still quite afraid of ghosts. One evening I was practicing in the dark there and terrified, and Ajahn Chah had the loving kindness and the consideration to walk by and ask who was, here, who was there. I answered, it's me, Ajahn Anan, or Tan Anan. And just this small exchange was enough to give me strength and inspiration. It was how my teacher supported me in that time. He knew that by coming by, he could make me feel less afraid. Wapapong in those days truly was unnerving. There were almost no houses nearby. And so practicing there, walking in that cremation ground, I felt truly 
secluded and alone. It was a good atmosphere for practice. However, the area around the monastery, because it was so secluded, had its own dangers. At one point, a tiger walked within four meters of me. And this is just one of the many ways that I was able to confront fear in my early days. It was also one more indicator of the importance of developing this quality of metta, of loving kindness, as it truly is a protection against such things. This is why we chant the Metta Sutta. It's important. It enters the heart. This is why we chant the We Rupakehi chant, saying that while living beings are limited, that the Buddha, Dhamma, and the Sangha are limitless, and therefore can serve as a refuge. This path is not easy, but we do have tools. At the time in this cremation ground, I'm not completely sure what I was afraid of always. Sometimes it was just the idea of a body that had been put to rest rising up. Other times it was the fear of a consciousness coming, a spirit. However, in any case, I realized that this energy that comes from fear could be channeled towards awakening the energy and power that comes from being terrified could be moved and directed towards realizing enlightenment. We take that fear, we contemplate impermanence, we move towards full realization. So, Today being the day on which we may think of the royal family and specifically of the king, the 10th, we should also reflect on how the royal family's patronage and protection has allowed such practices and our sangha to flourish through all these years, and we should wish him a healthy life and that his reign continues in prosperity for the sake of all Thai people. We should spread metta towards all beings and rejoice in the Thai spirit and all that it's preserved. <laughs>